In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6.33 When I took this scripture to heart, claimed it, as my friend said, our lives did turn around and we found that schooling fell into place. I'd start a Bible study and discover portions of history and geography overlapping without any deliberate planning. Or we'd end up in our Lenten season, coming up to Easter, and discover portions of the services we attended were repeats of what we'd been unwittingly studying at home. My random choices turned out to be perfectly tuned to God's will for our family's education. He was indeed our principal and our perfect guide. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. How's everybody today? The holidays are upon us. I always say they sneak up on me, but really they don't. I have a calendar and a desk diary, and I go to church and read bulletins. I pay attention to the school semesters and holidays. I watch the mail and coupons and the stores stocking up on decorations and turkeys. The trees provide a stunning reminder of the season. I listen to my family asking about whose house we're eating dinner at this year. But still, it's here upon us, and where did the year go? Well, I'm still recovering or benefiting from the week that I spent in Mora, which is the secluded place in the hills of New Mexico, north of Las Vegas and east of Albuquerque, where I had a surprisingly really wonderful, productive and restful week with four of my cohorts from my reading and writing critique group. I was a little bit worried at first that the five of us wouldn't get on. We spend a whole two hours a month together either discussing a book or sharing our written work in a controlled environment, complete with a few snacks, maybe a glass of wine, access to a quick exit when the conversation starts to falter. Hardly preparation for living together 24-7, as my children would say. But it worked. From the word go, God was watching over us. When the three of us who had driven arrived road-weary at the cabin, it had just started getting dark, and immediately one of us, not me, began cooking breakfast burritos. Yep, there's a time difference between New Mexico and Texas. Not that much, but enough for breakfast burritos to go down really nicely. We were all mums, and the tone of the week had been set. We wrote our goals that first night, and much to our surprise, we all achieved them. This is where I had my first taste of yoga. And before I go any further with that, I have to say, due to the hoopla being raised by certain ministers of faith, I looked up the practice and have come up with a definition that suits me. Yoga is the practical science intended to help human beings become aware of their ultimate nature. For me, that's the imago dei, the image of God created within me. 
Another one of my reading writing group took us through an hour of stretches, poses and balances. Stretching is a stretch for me, pun intended. It hurts. But by the end of the week, I'd regained 80% of my flexibility and felt terrific, even though I ached and pained a bit. What a wonderful form of exercise, despite what people think. I used the balancing moments to pray to God that I wouldn't fall down and hurt either myself or my pride. And I was so impressed by how wonderful and vibrant it made me feel that I signed up with my handsome blue-eyed Texan to take 10 more classes for $10 in a very warm environment just down the road from our house called Sunstone Yoga. This is what we've been doing all week and we feel wiped out. I can tell you the sweat just pours off you when you're working out in a 98.6 degree studio. Go try it. On our retreat, we each had our own special place to write. I sat outside in the golden driveway all day. I brought home an empty water bottle full of the driveway sand from Mora. Yeah, I'm crazy. Most of the rock is quartz and fool's gold and the sand sparkles in the sunlight and making it look like gold dust. So I made myself a serenity garden for my study complete with rocks. It sits on my desk and glitters in the sunlight, bringing back calm and gentle memories. And we were silent. Can you imagine that? Deep silence, not only in the hillside, but within the confines of the 14-acre property our cabin was on. We ladies were without words, except the ones pouring onto paper. It resembled the grand silence of the Benedictine retreat I go on. Three of us would go for a walk in the afternoon, sometimes it was more like a hike up the steep graded road, to break the rigorous pace of six-hour writing days. The only noise we heard all week, apart from the occasional passing truck, was the wind blowing in the treetops and birdsong. And yep, homeschooling mums were surrounded by all those children all day long. This is a great resourcer. Get away. As we were leaving on Saturday morning, we almost ran into two horses and a donkey taking a stroll along the roughly graded road. We'd seen evidence of their presence in the woods, but had only seen them in their paddock. They belonged to the family who owns Christmas Tree Canyon. Yep, that's the highly original name of the area. And they roam around at will, there being a cattle grill at the entrance to the road to prevent them from venturing onto the road. We hopped out of our car for a photo shoot. It was an incredible end to a wonderful week. What a gift. Thanks, handsome and generous husband, for holding down the fort while I was away. Well, time for the excerpt from my book, and this week it's the final part of the chapter called Mind the Gap, in which I realise that although I have Christian homeschooling friends, there's a gaping hole in my schedule where Bible should be. How am I to find the time? I persevered with field trips and outings and managed to listen selectively to those around me what they were saying one day i actually discerned from the snippets of conversation leaping around me that some of the mothers did bible studies with their children now i've already mentioned that i am prone to breathlessness at the end of a day of teaching so i brushed off the revelation with the justification that i couldn't imagine how i could squeeze one more subject into my already really busy day but the good Lord, whom I was trying to keep in a carefully protected box, kept intruding. A little voice at the back of my mind started to inch its way forward. I began to cross-examine my motives for not including a fundamental subject for the Christian I proponed to be in my already burgeoning timetable. Simple answer, there wasn't any time. 
God should have provided us with flexi hours so that we could shorten some of those fearful days best forgotten and use the saved hours for moments just like these when the good Lord kept knocking on his box to be let out and allowed to speak. Eventually, I found myself in an astonishing conversation where I was being drawn into a discussion about the large variety of Bible programs on offer. Which one are you following with your children? The mother next to me was asking. Um, I began to think that perhaps I should try looking into incorporating at least one prayer a day with my pupils. Separation of church and state really didn't apply to Wildflower A. The more I thought about it, the more amazed I was that I wasn't sharing my faith with any of my family. I was doing with my children what my parents had done with me. This realization was accompanied by a looming obstacle that encouraged me to linger in the way of sinners, Psalm 1-1. How was I going to find the time? I capriciously toyed with the idea of dropping a subject and decided that everyone was essential, especially if I wanted to stay on the college track with my children. I considered letting my students stay up later, but other activities related to the marriage partnership already had dibs on that time. I lingered some more. My mother's parting words about my new friends and their Lord language stayed with me, and I began to think about the omnipotence of God. He knew that I knew that I was making excuses, and pretty feeble ones at that. I decided to put some of my classical training to work and began Socratic questioning to solve my time dilemma. What inspired our children to learn? I asked myself diplomatically. If it was me who inspired them, from whence came my gift? Not so diplomatic. Without God in the first place, where would we be? Ooh, squirm your way out of that one, malingerer. When I caught myself rationalising about selflessly giving up every spare minute of my life to the education of my children, and there were only so many hours in a day for goodness sake, I knew I was in trouble. A verse from scripture popped out of nowhere into my head. God's answer to everything, I'm afraid. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all else will be given to you. Matthew 6.33 Do everything you want to do. Love everyone you want to love. Only do not forget to put God first on your list. Get up off that scornful seat and find the time. Okay, I was already getting up early to devote the first part of my day to God, while my children were being ministered to by their father over breakfast. Obviously, that wasn't enough, I thought begrudgingly. I set my alarm to get me up a smidgen earlier so that I could join my family in the kitchen for a few minutes after I had devoted. That first morning, we said prayers and read the Bible while cereal and Pop-Tarts were being ingested. This worked like a charm, and before any of us knew what was really happening, daily prayer had entered the McNinney household. My husband miraculously was never late for work, even if our discussions became rather animated, making us reluctant to leave the table. Soon we were praying at the end of every meal. My children got to the point where they wouldn't rise from the table, any table, without crossing themselves and looking at me expectantly for the Bible passage. In this way, we learned all our psalms and verses, the prayers we say at Mass, Catholic prayers to Our Lady and St. Michael, and some old favourites that I'd learned at school in Latin. God is never satisfied. I'm sure you've noticed that. It's not because he's disappointed in us. It's because he loves us. He is in his wisdom. He, in his wisdom, was determined to pay me back for taking all the credit for homeschooling. 
While I still claim that the reasons I started homeschooling was strictly secular, no hokey-pokey call from God leading me to educate my own children, to stop shaving my legs and don the Birkenstocks, I deserve to be struck down, don't I? I have acknowledged that God, in a roundabout way, led me to this place where I'm educating my children with my husband under the guidance of the good Lord. My spiritual mentors would be proud of me as I pick up the baton and continue to teach my children how important it is to have a spiritual life, to be accountable to God, to read his word and walk the talk, from babbling to mumbling, from shouts of joy to whispers of faith, from songs of praise to bursting hearts, from railing to thanking and from intercession to personal. All around me, I hear prayers. I'll continue to follow where trailblazers in my family have left off and leave behind me a trail waiting for the next generation to walk. Well, it's time for us to go on a short break. And after this, I will be welcoming my friend Dixie Hacker. See you in a bit. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Everyday Haunts and Miracles with Shannon Pidrock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, 
I'm back. I just poured myself another cup of tea and took out my cake. So I can do a lot in 90 seconds. And I am happy to welcome my friend Dixie Hacker on my show. Dixie has bravely jumped in at short notice to replace my scheduled guest for this week, who has lost her voice. Radio is definitely not the medium for her at the moment. And for those of you who remember, Dixie homeschools her four young children, three boys and a girl, and their crazy Australian shepherd. Hello, Dixie. Hello, Vivian. How are you this afternoon? I'm just great, thank you. We're good. Um, I know that um, you and I both know who you are, but let's remind our listeners um, a little bit about how you got into homeschooling. Yes, um, my oldest is um, 10 years old, actually just turned 11, and um, he had been in public school, and my twins went to public school for kindergarten. I am a former public school teacher myself at the high school level. Um, I've always enjoyed um, that job, that occupation, and uh, my children, we enjoyed our neighborhood school as well. Um, we kind of accidentally started learning more about homeschooling, and um, as we learned more, we really, my husband and I, just kind of came to this conclusion that um, this would be a really good fit for our family. And so we jumped into it um, over a year ago. This uh, fall marks our start of our second year homeschooling. Um, so I now have a fifth grader, twin second graders, and a four-year-old. <laughs> twin second graders and a four-year-old. So she's a preschooler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, okay, so you answered, um, you, you let us know and answered all our, my, my questions I was going to ask you about the ages of your children, so we got that. And your dog, because I think when you first started homeschooling, you had an old dog, and now you have a young dog. We do. We have what I call a wild and crazy dog. <laughs> we um, we have an Australian Shepherd. Our last dog was an Australian Shepherd. And the funny thing is my husband and I have always been grown up with um, pound puppies. And so it's funny that we have this specific breed of a dog. But um, the current dog, she, um, I hope in another year, will settle down some and uh, be as great as the last. At the moment, though, she adds much excitement to the family life for sure. Yeah, I bet she enjoys having you home all the time. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so this past summer, now you said that you, you just started your second year, so um, you've had a summer, a homeschool summer. So what did you do? Did you take the whole summer off or did you do some work? We did not. Um, I think just the advice of others that I um, have heard homeschooling or just their experiences about working through the summer, um, that sounded really good. And so we actually started right after the 4th of July back to a full-time school, which uh, works great for us. It's, it's here in Texas, a time where 100-degree um, temperatures just make it really daunting to go outside and play and enjoy. So we, we did get back into the full schedule in, in July, um, and, and consequently we took um, about October, we took a whole week off and called it fall break and really had a delightful time enjoying much more pleasant temperatures and, and outdoor activities and that sort of thing. Well, good. So, but you you have a child that went to school. Well, actually, you had three children that went to school, but maybe your oldest would remember more. How, does he, how did he feel about um, picking up his pen again in uh, July? 
Well, you know, it is funny that they all three of my older boys t- gave the kind of obligatory, oh, we have to go back to school, <laughs> you know, because we have neighbors that um, on, on the public school schedule did not. Um, but, you know, just a quick reminder of um, all the times that we do get off kind of sprinkled throughout the school year, and, and they were just fine with it, too. And I honestly, I think they were looking forward to getting back to more structure and more routine themselves. Yes, and if they have, um, I found with mine, if they did have friends who are in the public school, we could still get school done pretty much before they got up. Exactly. <laughs> the other kids. <laughs> That's exactly true, exactly. So they didn't miss out much. We were still able to go and do some activities and whatever they wanted to do. So Yeah. Um, so during this, this summer, though, I think something um, sort of occurred within your family that, um, you know, sort of presented some kind of a challenge as far as your homeschooling schedule went. Would you like to talk about that for a little bit? Sure. Um, we, one of my second graders, we discovered last spring um, is dyslexic. We had um, had some suspicions, even when he was in kindergarten in the public schools, that something was, was off with his reading. Um, and then during working at home with him while he was in first grade with our first year of homeschooling, um, we went ahead and had him tested um, in Dallas, Texas, has a Scottish Rite Children's Hospital, which actually has um, an entire... Um, division of it for dyslexia and so it has a they have a wonderful reputation so we went there for testing and received a diagnosis from there he was accepted into um, they have a dyslexia lab which is a two-year program for students with dyslexia and it's an hour and a half a day for four days a week so we learned that this summer that he would be attending that starting in August and so naively I thought oh well that will be no problem. I, the kids and I can all go and we'll have an hour and a half there at the hospital to do schoolwork while my one child is upstairs in this dyslexia class. It will just be a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like I said, it's very naive in my thinking. All right, before we get into that, um, you said one and a half hours a day, four days a week. Yes. Is that correct? So um, did you have a choice of time? Do you do it in the morning? Do you do it in the afternoon? We did not have any choice of time. We were just given a start date and um, and really were not told the time until about two weeks ahead. Um, oh, so it changes? It does. And for right now, I believe that our time, I have a calendar that goes through May, and it's interesting. I have no idea what to expect for the summer. So we will have possibly a different time um, during the summer. He will attend this year as well, possibly in June and July. Um, and I will, I guess, wait to be told what time that will be then and then it might change again next fall when we return for the second year so is this something oh for two years or is this something that's going to be ongoing throughout his school time their program is um it's only a two-year program everyone is graduated at the end of those two years and then you have to go back for kind of follow up or We do not. My understanding is that during this time they will teach him all the necessary skills that he will be able to use for the rest of his life um, in coping with dyslexia. And what about you? Do you go into the classroom at all? We do not at all, no. Have you had any help, training, 
or anything like that? Um, no, and it, it's been interesting. That was before we even started this program. I had difficulty in finding materials um, from a teacher standpoint, just in how to address dyslexia. I was able to find, um, an, you know, a, a good variety of books on what it is, um, what it looks like, and but when it got down to the core of how to treat it, that seemed to be lacking. Um, it's interesting. The Scottish Rite um, Hospital that we go to, they do have a teacher training program. Um, for teachers, but it is um, a, you have to be a certified public teacher to attend, and it's also um, a huge requirement. It's, it's really meant for public school teachers, and I believe is a two-year program. I was hoping I had asked um, when we had gone to an information meetings, you know, about what will will we be informed as parents and, and be able to support this at home. And so far, what I've gotten ten weeks into the program is that really everything they do is taking care of there at the school day. Uh, my son does have homework each night, but it's it's very straightforward. It's not anything that involves any teaching. Uh, the things that they are learning, I guess, are just so detailed and um, specific that it's not something that's really carried over to the parents to necessarily share and encourage, you know, with their students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you've got this hour and a half, four days a week. You've also got travel time, right? Yes. How long does that take? You know, this entire process of leaving the house um, from the time we leave to the time we return is a three-hour piece of our day. Okay, so <laughs> that's a long time. <laughs> you know, it, it is. And um, it's been interesting this year just with the timing of it. His class starts at 12.15, which um, I'm grateful we're not having to go through Dallas traffic um, at 8 in the morning. But for us, we are having to stop our school day at 11 in the morning in order mm-hmm. to get lunch and get ready to head out the door. And um, that has really been um some days a struggle <laughs> it's yeah. definitely been a challenge to adjust to especially with a young with a young one you know with a four-year-old i know trying to travel i used to just have to take the boys to texas boys choir and we only did it twice a week and i could leave i didn't stay if i wanted to i didn't have to stay mm-hmm. and oh my gosh the two the two girls they hated having to be trailed there and then trailed somewhere else and then trailed back <laughs> And they just got so frustrated in the end. And I went, oh, goodness me. You know, sometimes it was easier just to stay there and do work. But, you know, there's a limit to how much you can take. So I just used to have to suffer in the car and come up with some innovative things to do in the car. But, uh, you know, listening to books actually worked in the end. We just listened to books. Have you tried doing that? Do you do that? You know, that has been one plus is um, we have a great library system and we have gone through more audiobooks. I yeah. think the drive to and from is one of the highlights for all of us, really. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yes. Um, okay, so so you've got your time, your travel time, and you said that time change, the times change, so you can't really even you know sort of count on the same time every day. Well, you can on every day if you know, but you don't, you don't know for us like weeks and months. Or this exactly. is your time for this year, or something. Our like schedule that. is set right now through May. And yeah. then things will be different again next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how many children are in his class? Well, it's very interesting. His class only has three children. Okay. And I one. think the other classes have at most maybe five. Okay, so three children with one teacher? Yes. Okay. And can he bring, does he bring home any information? I mean, is he is he sort of verbal about what goes on in the class? 
You know, my son, unfortunately, is not. I hardly get a peep. (laughs) We did get um, the chance. They had a parent observation day, and my husband and I were able to go and sit and just observe a normal class day um, and ask questions if we had any questions for the teacher. And um, it was was very interesting seeing the things that they they are working on, I guess, um, and how they're kind of just all the tools that they're acquiring and and just the vocabulary in terms of reading and linguistics and phonics that you know these these eight year old kids are having to to learn it, it was it was very interesting um and on many levels kind of made no sense to me yeah, <laughs> um, yeah you know yeah. Well, for those of you just joining us, I'm talking to my friend Dixie, who's been homeschooling for um, a year. She's in her second year now. And she takes one of her twins, well, she takes all of the children, but one of her twins is enrolled at Scottish Rite during the week. And we're talking about the challenges she's encountered with the mechanics of homeschooling while seeking professional help outside the home. So stay tuned. We need to go on a break. And um, we'll be back. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. The Way of the Toddler with hosts Lita and Lori Hamilton is a show unlike any other parenting program you've ever heard. Zen Masters in Diapers? Yes. Join us Tuesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central here on Toginet as we celebrate parenthood as a spiritual path for a journey to inner peace. With thought-provoking and spiritually compelling guests, each week Lita and Lori will explore how our children help us with the lessons we came here to learn, adding deeper meaning to our lives and relationships while giving you valuable gems to add to your unique parenting toolkit. Check out the website, thewayofthetoddler.com. With great humor and honesty, Lita and Lori will demonstrate how inner peace is possible even when surrounded by poopy diapers and piles of laundry, and what we can learn from the innate wisdom and natural spirituality of our Zen masters and diapers. It's The Way of the Toddler with Lita and Lori Hamilton, Tuesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, here on toginet.com. Get ready to laugh along with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Ellie Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central on toginet.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying, surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Welcome back. 
Well, I'm back and I'm talking to my friend Dixie and we're talking about um, how she is um, helping her son who has dyslexia by um, taking him four times a week for an hour and a half to the Scottish Rite Hospital here in Dallas. Um, Dixie, um, how have you seen how this professional help is working? Have you seen a change in your son? You know, he's been in the program for 10 years, and it is a two-year program. Um, I, I think I was, at the beginning, very anxious to see something. Um, and, and really, honestly, it's only been in, like, the last week or two that I feel like I have noticed um, an improvement, I guess, to be able to sit down with, you know, a, a very easy book with him, but actually have him move through the book, you know, rather than stumbling and, and it just being a horrible, awful experience to get through it. Um, now he is able to pick up a book and move through it. Um, it is, mind you, um, a much lower level than, for example, his twin brother, who is not dyslexia, mm-hmm. is reading, but but it is an improvement. Yes, unfortunately, with a twin, you have a perfect comparison because you can just see exactly what level they're both at because they're both exactly the same age. You know, and it, it's been just such a, a fascinating dynamic to just really see firsthand how our brains can be just wired so differently mm-hmm. to have the one twin who has just exploded with his reading. And even in kindergarten, you know, it just seemed to come intuitively to him. Um, and then having the dyslexic twin um, who is equally as intelligent. You know, we have no problems in any other subject areas, but when it comes to just the printed word, it's an entirely different scenario. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so how is this impacting your homeschooling with the other children? How, how are you, I mean, what, what do you find that you can do while you're waiting? Is there a big waiting area? Is it noisy? What's it like? You know, that has um, been just my greatest struggle. You know, like I said, I was, I was very naive to think, oh, it will just be so easy to just take schoolwork with us. You know, I've got three kids at three different levels that will stay with me. Um, surely we can find things to do um, to work on to, you know, take schoolwork there. Um, I'm, you know, pride myself, I guess, on being kind of organized, and we can plan that out. And finding a place to actually do that has been my greatest challenge. Um, you know, very there was a parent meeting the first day and um, was told all the areas where we could not go, um, mm-hmm. the places that were available to homeschool families needing to work were, um, for example, a very large lobby, which has um, some nice table and chairs, but it really is like working in an airport lobby. Mm-hmm. We're there um, right during the lunch hour. It's, it, it's the, the main pathway to the cafeteria, and it was just so extremely busy. Um, you know, other places that have been suggested, you know, was where, for example, there are no table and chairs. There's kind of a lounge area with kind of love seats and that sort of thing. Um, and, again, not ideal for trying to teach, trying mm-hmm. to, to do schoolwork there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've just really, that's been one of my greatest difficulties is trying to communicate exactly what we need as a homeschooling family. Um, and I, I have honestly kind of given up on, on that struggle, on that mm. battle. Um, you know, because as I've spoken with people, um, you know, they tell me things like, oh, well, there is a playground. You could go work there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which um, is a wonderful playground, but again, not, I guess, 
uh, you know, just others not having an understanding of homeschooling really needing to teach, you know, of, of what my son in the dyslexia class, the work he is doing there, my other three children have worked just as important. Mm-hmm. And um, that I just wasn't ever able to communicate. So are you the only homeschooling family up there? You know, I'm not. Um, there is another mother that um, I've been um, very blessed by who also brings two children um, that stay with her while one is in the lab. And um, she, like me, has has the same struggle. Um, she has an 8-year-old and a 4-year-old. And, and we have developed a nice friendship, and it's been wonderful. Our children have as well. We're able to find some time each day just to let our kids play. Um, and they look forward to that. So it, it's been funny in that all of my children, I think, are, are somewhat... Um, they're not bothered by this daily excursion. Uh, my son in the dyslexia class has, has been um, done a very good job with it and has a great attitude. Um, my other children that come along, they, they now look forward to meeting with these other kids. We, at least once a week, we are able to get ice cream out of the cafeteria or you know popcorn, and so that's a big delight for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty easy, but like I said, I'm just struggling with finding you know a quiet place even to sit and read a book or to, um, you know, just do any kind of written work. It's been a big challenge. Well, and I suppose you can see how this situation would have been different if your children had been in school because maybe the other parents just drop their child off and come back. Is that what they do? You know, there are um, several parents, um, for example, kids that might attend a private school that's very close by. Um, They get permission to, yes, their parents just drop them off and come pick them up. Um, I've noticed that several of the other kids um, don't maybe have any siblings or they have siblings that are older and able maybe to stay home during that time. Um, but it is amazing, I've, as I've just gotten to know the other parents, those that do stay, just what a sacrifice it has been for all of the families um, mm-hmm. in one way or another. I've, I met one mother who quit her full-time job and has stayed home, pulled her son out of public school and is homeschooling him oh. during these two years. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a couple parents that have done that with the intent of going back to public school once this is completed. Mm-hmm. So the program itself, I think, has earned um, you know, a, a reputation as being a very high-quality, very top-notch program. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering how parents work, you know, manage with work. Yes. Um, You know, I've seen a grandparent that that drops off. Um, There's two families that um, drive from pretty far away and actually found out that they are um, practically neighbors and are able Mm -hmm. to carpool. And so that's been kind of neat for them. Um, You know, cuts down on their commute and their their time there as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, if... If a parent can't go this this route, what what is what what is the impact on on the child um, in the future? I mean, with with dyslexia and and uh, you know not not being able to um, function with the written word, how important do you think um, this this program at Scottish Rite has been for you and maybe for other families? You know, um, for my son, I, I think it's. Um very important. And, and the interesting thing about dyslexia is that it, it can really vary from person to person who's diagnosed with it. Um, but one thing that was striking and, and just the reading, um, you know, child, people who are dyslexic tend to read slower. And it's, it's interesting as you just think about the volume of reading that's necessary as they get into a high school and especially the college level. Um, 
you know, how much more time that takes. I mean, it just seems to grow exponentially when you look mm-hmm. at their slower rate of reading, mm-hmm. um, the difficulties there. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, for us, we just really felt like this was the best alternative for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that we felt like we had to address, and it was very obvious that what we had been doing at home was not working. You know, um, I felt like I had this, you know, almost eight-year-old child who was just seemed to be almost illiterate. I mean, he could memorize words very short-term, but was not truly learning um, to read and read for retention. And, and you know, so. So uh, are all the children around the same age, or are there a lot? Is there an age, big age span? There is um, quite a, a variance in ages. Um, I believe that um, the youngest that they take children is six or seven. Um, I think that my son in his class of three, they're all eight-year-olds, is the youngest class, and they go all the way up through, um, I've noticed, um, probably middle school students, possibly ninth graders as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there would probably be adults who could who would need this too, who hadn't been diagnosed earlier on or just parents just didn't have the time to do that so you know and i've heard some parents just as they're learning that their child has dyslexia taking a closer look at themselves and you know and and are seeking out some you know perhaps a diagnosis for themselves to you know kind of help explain some of their challenges that they've had Mm. so one of my questions for you was how are you coping with all of this i mean how is it impacting you are you ready to pull your hair out (laughs) well you know i i um i keep telling myself don't stop whining and complaining um (laughs) It it has been a tremendous struggle, Um, and I think probably maybe what hit me the most was I was expecting it to be just some kind of a smooth transition, That um, and it it really has. And there's already, I think, with homeschooling that pressure, and I'm not sure, you know, it only comes from myself, but this pressure of, well, we need to get, you know, A, B, and C things done. Mm -hmm. And um, each week when I make my lesson plans for the week, this is what seems to me to be a reasonable amount of material to cover, and yet finding that that doesn't happen and getting very frustrated over that and even just losing those three hours of day um, really cutting into and and other parents have related this to me as well like laundry when is that getting done you know Um, you know our only day now to do any kind of errand really seems to fall on on Friday the one day that we don't have a class and so Mm. you know what I'd like for Friday to be is perhaps that catch-up day on things Mm. that haven't gotten finished academically through the week and instead it's, it's it's our day to run and go get groceries or take the dog to the vet or, you know, things like that. So it's it's been very challenging and, and frustrating. And um, But I'm, I'm just very thankful that my children are, don't seem to be the one frustrated by it. So, Good. yes, Good. that's been um, a true blessing. And so um, what about after the appointment? How can you get back to school? And we've only got like two minutes, so we can't say. You know, I find by the time we get home at 2.30, we all are in need of a break. And and (laughs) it's been just a struggle. By 3, we just almost seem to be kind of all of us seem to be finished, myself included. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We are just tired. And um, and that's where after-school activities come in. You know, we've got swimming and Boy Scouts. And and so it it really has been a challenge to get anything finished um, after we get home from Scottish Rite. 
Well, bless your heart, Dixie. It sounds so. <laughs> you're you're what one fourth, almost one fourth of the way through. So um, now you have a good idea of what it's all about, and you you know, like it sounds as though you're you know sort of doing a wonderful job. Well, most of you are doing a wonderful job, and you're struggling along behind them. But um, you uh, you'll come out in the end. I've been talking to my friend Dixie Hacker, who joined me at very short notice this week because she's such a good friend and an absolute trooper. We talked about the limitations imposed on homeschooling when outside professional intervention is required and how juggling is a struggle in a rewarding kind of way. And Dixie, I'll see you later on this evening. And thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, Vivian. You're welcome. All right, time for a short break and I'll be back after this. toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. People think I've made it. I'm popular. I seem happy all the time. I have great clothes, and I'm involved in everything. But I have questions, doubts, and fears, just like every other teenager. That's why I'm glad for Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. The choices we have to make that can alter the course of our lives. Life is too much pressure if we try to go it alone. I tune in to Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell every week to get reminded that I'm not alone. Nicole O'Dell is an expert on what happens in the lives of teenagers. Join her as she deals with topics like peer pressure, purity, drugs, alcohol, and many other things that might come up along the way. She writes books and speaks to people all over the place, but she says her favorite moments are when she can pull up a chair and chat with teens about what's important to us. For more information on Nicole and her books, go to NicoleOdell.com. Then join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. 
And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I'm back, and I want to talk a little bit about um, my guest last week, Janita Pavelka. We talked about balance in the homeschool, and she followed the Moore method of comparable amounts of academics, manual labor, and service. As a Benedictine monastic at heart, I fully realize how important it is to conduct your day with moderation, gentleness, and balance. And with prayer as your base, my family have striven for equal amounts of prayer, work, and leisure in our daily practice. This makes sense, really. Look at the studies of healthy elderly people, especially centenarians. It's not that they don't ever do anything harmful to their bodies. They just don't do it excessively. Eating cake and ice cream is all right in moderation. Going to church regularly is good. So is drinking caffeine and being a couch potato for a treat. I agree with Janita that we need to acknowledge the prudence of balance for our children's sake in order that they grow up well-rounded and able to listen to their bodies and know when to step back and take a breather, change focus. Oh, I can hear you saying that's all well and good for some, but I have eight children, a house to clean, laundry to do, shopping to fetch in, meals to cook. How can I keep my life in balance, let alone supervise my children's? If they get their school done, that's all I'm worried about. Well, I think the misguided thinking here is mother does it all. I had to drop my standards a little, well, a lot, really, when I roped my crowd into housework, cooking and grocery shopping, but it helped me attain balance. When Janita described the businesses her children had, and they all are little entrepreneurs, I began to think, wow, I never knew you could do that, turn a lot of normal activities into potential money spinners. Selling products online, boarding horses, buying and selling jewellery from Peru. All these activities give her children the opportunity to use what they've been learning academically and make it work for them or not. The family's had many businesses over the 10 years they've been homeschooling and some have worked and some haven't. Don't be afraid to try. My mind started working as I thought, how best could we as homeschoolers balance our days and the days of our children? Janita made me made sure that the academics were out of the way before her children were allowed to pursue their own activities. But I thought, you know, a lot of things we do with our children daily overlap. Business dealings and math or social skills, cleaning the house and exercise, listening to music and arts learning, as well as relaxation. So I decided to look at a few typical things we may do as a parent with our children each day and see where they fall into the 24-hour balancing act of academics, work, labor, play and service prayer. In the monastery, prayer is placed firmly to the fore, and rightly so. My opening Bible verse, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all this will be given unto you, comes into play across the board. But unlike the monastery, though, we do not expect our children to arise in the middle of the night to pray the hours, but we do make sure our day is open and closed with prayer and pop in a noonday devotion to even things up. So let's look at a 24-hour day. In a monastery, sleep and food may take a close second to prayer, but in my house, two things had to be accomplished first. Otherwise, we'd be unbalanced and miserable. Number one is sleep. Imagine not getting enough sleep. We wouldn't dream of letting our children shirk on this essential commodity, and we as adults shouldn't either. Well, there's eight hours out of the day used up in gentle slumbering. Number two, nourishment. 
Eating is the next most important commodity. This may take about four hours when preparation and cleanup is included. Longer if it's an elaborate meal, but for the sake of argument, let's just say four hours. So there we have 12 hours and 12 hours to fill, and not just with one activity. There have been times in our house when a community service activity at the theatre has meant we use up a lot of our available balancing hours on one activity. But in the end, things balance out if you're prudent. We have any number of things to squeeze into those last 12 hours. There's prayer, academics, house cleaning, going to mass, chores, walking, reading, listening, participating in youth group, watching a film, playing at the park, napping, performing in a show, ballet, gymnastics, rough and tumble with each other, bath time and hobbies. All of a sudden, 12 hours just doesn't seem long enough. Never fear. After prayers and academics, some of the other activities overlap. A science project could be a hobby, so that can be academics and play. The theatre and dance could be recreation and service as well as academics. Of course, reading and listening and music can all fulfil leisure and academics. The busy day falls into balance when a child can spend an hour working on math and then take a 15-minute breather throwing a ball or two for the dog. I would break the day up into segments. Sometimes each segment was subdivided. No one should have to spend more than an hour on any one subject unless that subject is television, I've heard, where inordinate lengths of time are wasted. My children have learned how to ride their bikes without training wheels while reciting their math facts. We've had spelling bees in the car while shuttling from one activity to another. Life problems have been discussed over sandwich making. Memories tested while dusting. 12 hours a legion. The trick is to balance them. Manual labour was a stretch in our house. My blue-eyed cowboy does all the grunt work. And my children may or may not help, depending on the project. Now, building an addition on the house or adding a bathroom upstairs stirred their imaginations. So we had a fair share of labour during those seasons in our lives. Anything that works up a sweat counts for me. So come on board, housework. Other work included cleaning up after a game, making beds, wiping splashes off mirrors, weeding the garden or potting plants, all contributed to the children's sense of responsibility and not taking things for granted. Did I just say that? After socialisation, the touchiest topic in the world of privileged Westerners, the granted takers. Can you see how you, the parent, can be freed up too if your children are trained to balance their day with things they have to do, things they don't like to do and things they love to do i deserve to do the latter too we don't want an unbalanced child any more than we would accept an unbalanced body when we exercise we work both sides so we should work all areas of our lives unless we want to grow dependent children who will never add the in Now it's time for question of the week. And as I'm here to solve your problems and help you with your challenges at any stage in your homeschooling career, here goes nothing. This week's question is, how do you deal with a child who refuses to get up for school? Well, many times it is difficult to differentiate between mum and teacher. At what point do you take off your mum hat and on your teacher's mortarboard? I'd get up really early in the morning to do my devotions and journal. That way I was prepared for what the day had in store for me. Well, at least I'd put the kingdom first. During this time, my husband would get the children up and dressed and start the breakfast routine. And as they grew older and more independent, they dressed themselves. This was a rule. 
no pajamas at the breakfast table. The only time we'd allow pajamas at a table was at the end of the day when they made a welcome appearance, signalling the child's willingness to retire at a decent hour. And as breakfast was drawing to a close, I'd appear, appropriately clad in my cap and gown, joking, and together we would lead and participate in morning prayer. This segued us into the day and I'd begun my interaction with the children as teacher. I found that it helped to go over the upcoming day the evening before at bedtime. Some children need to be set up in this way, reminding them of the order of the next day, any exciting or unusual things that might be happening. And at this time, some flexibility may be allowed as to the order in which they have to do their work. We can discuss it, and it helps them feel as though they have some control over their day. Most of the time, my children agreed that math and other challenging subjects were best to be got over with first, but at least they felt as though they were contributing. If they decide they don't want to do their math first, I would give them a week to try it at a different time of the day and agree that if it doesn't work, then we'll go back to the original placement. Young children enjoy getting up something about a new day, a new adventure, but as they get older, we may have to become more creative to get them hopping enthusiastically away from dreamland. Encouraging them to pursue a hobby helps. If your child has something to look forward to once their schoolwork is completed, they'll do it without a lot of trouble. My husband's presence first thing added some levity to the morning routine and really helped with this end of the day. Because he wasn't the teacher, he could field questions or disruptions, cajole the reluctant riser to get up with tickles and joke telling, and the dog helped too on occasion. The children also knew that something was being cooked by the master chef in the house, and they loved to give their orders over the counter because their daddy was a talented and willing short-order cook. I was not, but then I wasn't in charge of the first 30 minutes of their waking day. So reluctant risers may be tired. Do they get enough sleep at night? Are they night owls? This is a problem, and the habit of staying up really late has to be broken if you don't want to be doing school at midnight. When we were doing theatre, we sometimes burned the candle at both ends. Then there was always the welcome nap which would occur for all of us at the saggy hours of the afternoon. This helped everyone deal with their late nights and early mornings. So for reluctant risers, try these suggestions. Encourage them to plan their day the evening before right down to what they're wearing. This could get them excited about the upcoming morning. Insist on appropriate attire at the breakfast table. No pyjamas allowed. If possible, enlist the help of the head of the household to get the children up so that they can immediately assume the role of teacher without having to shed the mum's skin first and have something planned during the day they can look forward to so that they have an incentive to finish their schoolwork before they can go out and play or continue with a hobby, look after their pets, visit a neighbour or even bake a cake. Ensure that they get enough sleep and if this isn't possible, add a nap to the afternoon routine instead of getting up late. Most importantly though, do not let the child get away with staying in bed not even once. If your child is sick, you'll determine that. If your child gets away with deciding himself to stay in bed once, then you've lost. Good luck with motivating your child to get up in the morning. I hope these simple pointers work for you. If you have a question for next week, email me at anglouk84 at gmail.com or leave me a message on my Togginet page. And it looks as though I have come to the end of another hour. So I will 
bid you farewell for this week. And um, I'm cooking Dixie dinner. It wasn't really to thank her for doing my show this, this afternoon because I'd already planned to do that. But then I thought, well, I'll ask her to step in for me. And she really can't say no if she's coming over for dinner. Tee-hee. But anyway, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to talk about everything but homeschooling, I'm sure. And then tomorrow evening, I'm going to a C.S. Lewis party where we'll eat English food and read excerpts from our favorite Lewis. Sounds very blue stocking, doesn't it? And thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Togginet Radio, my guest Dixie Hacker, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Tina, and the St. Johnses. Welcome back from Europe. Ali Lepreet, host of This Little Parent Stayed Home, is coming up next on Togginet Radio, so don't go away. Have a great week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McKee.